Well, good morning. Um, I am <clears throat> actually really privileged and, uh, and pleased to be bringing you the word this morning. I wish it were under better circumstances, though. Uh, Ruben and I got a call around 6.30 p.m. last night that Daniel is down and out with the flu, and Leah's also very sick, so um, it was like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go on as planned. Um, and this is the second week of Advent. This is a week where we meditate on and we, and we ponder what it means to be a people of peace. Uh, and so Madison said this morning uh, something like, he said it better than I did, but what a, what a great way to uh, prepare a last-minute sermon based on peace. It doesn't sound very peaceful. Uh, and I wasn't nervous until then, but I thought, oh my goodness, he's right. No, uh, really, actually just really pleased to bring you the word this morning. We're going to be looking at a short couple verses uh, out of Second Peter. Um, this is going to be a more uh, a devotional kind of Sunday uh, where I'm really sharing from the overflow of what the Lord has has taught me and, and brought me in this in this just a short time pre- to prepare. So I think it's often really uh, a great to be able to if somebody asks you off the cup what cusp what does it mean to be people of peace? What does it mean to be people of hope? What does it mean to love well? I think I think we ought to have a good answer, or at least an answer that's based on the truth of the gospel. Amen? So we're going to do that this morning. Uh, but before we start, actually, I would like to, um, as a congregation, I'm going to lead us, but as a congregation, would you agree with me in, in praying for uh, Dan and Leah specialists? So, so let's just take, they're probably watching us on the live stream. Hey, guys. Um, but let me, uh, let me pray uh, for their family, for their healing, and, uh, and then we'll get into the word. God of all hope and peace, would you guide us this morning as we open up your word and we are filled with the truth of it. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to the hearts of Dan and Leah this morning. I pray that you, the great physician, would heal them, would heal them for their ailments, would restore strength to their bodies so that they could live in fullness of health and rejuvenation. And I just pray for the discomfort and just the disheartening uh, ways that, that, that illness just brings us down. And I pray that you would heal them, but that you would also uh, ignite in them an understanding of your peace and that you're with them and that you are uh, intimately involved in them and, and you have a desire for them to be well and whole again. And I pray that you protect Emmy and Dahlia and Everett from getting sick and that you would just pr- provide for them all their needs. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so if you have any, um, any thoughts to, to blessing the Williams family with meals or just calls of, hey, we're praying for you, um, shoot me an email, matt at terranovachurch.org, and I can um, let you know uh, the best ways to help them. And if they do need help, this may be a 24-hour thing, I don't know, but just don't want to inundate them as they're sick with uh, uh, lots of uh, texts and emails. But So let's move on to our sermon this morning on peace. Um, as I mentioned, this season of Advent we really dwell in and we rehearse what it means to wait. To wait well. This is a season of waiting where, and what we've already covered in the last two, three weeks, uh, we've talked about how we are people that wait upon a promise. 
We wait on a promise that's been fulfilled. Jesus has come as a baby in the manger and he lived his life and he died for us and he rose again and we have hope in the truth that Jesus did what he was prophesied to do, what God had set out for him to do, and what he actually did. We have hope in that promise. We are waiting in the light and in the truth of that promise. Yet we are people who are waiting for Jesus to come back as he promised to complete his mission to restore and to make everything new again. And so we are people this season that can dwell in and meditate in these truths, yet understand that there's a level of hope and joy and peace and love and intimacy with Jesus that we are going to one day see him face to face. There's a, there's a reality that we yet wait for, that we can be living our lives towards. And so when we come to this idea of peace, often we think of peace as an ideal, Like, ideally, I would like my family to be at peace. Ideally, I would like my heart to be at peace, especially in this season, right? I mean, this is a season of, like, peace on earth, and everything's great, and everybody's snuggled up by the Christmas tree. And we all know that that's not actually really what happens most of the time. But we have an ideal. And we use words like tranquility and rest and calm and napping. That's a peaceful thing, right? We all love to do that. But not really, because peace, this isn't real true peace. Peace isn't simply a feeling. But whatever it is, I think we can acknowledge in this world, it's lacking. Whatever it is, is lacking. We are overcome by dread and anxiousness and bitterness and frustration and like actual war. Poverty. Homelessness, drug addiction. We're faced with these things on a daily basis. And this is the season where we sing of baby Jesus asleep in the manger, sleep in heavenly peace. And I think, I think, this idea of, well, I should be at peace, but goodness, I'm not, and the world isn't. I think, I think that that could cause us frustration this time of year, where so many people are saying, just be happy and at peace and love and joy and all these things, and we look around the world and we don't see it. And I think it can cause us pain because, because the peace that this world is looking for is manufactured and it's temporary at best. So what do we mean as, what do we mean as Christians when we open up the Bible and we hear a word, peace. What does it actually mean? I don't want to just assume that many of you have been to church and kind of know these words. I don't just want to assume that we know this well, so I'm going to go over some kind of basic things about what peace is. Anybody know the Hebrew word for peace? Anybody shout it out? Shalom. Very good. Very good. Uh, by the way, I thought Daniel did a great job yesterday at pro- or last week at pronouncing his Hebrew. It was really good. The uh, part of the Hebrew language. But anyway, so shalom, that's an easier one to say. Um, It means completeness, wholeness. So before the fall, before like page one and two of the Bible, when 
when, when the world was created and man was created, man and woman were created and they were in the garden, they had life with God. There was nothing to disrupt that. They had, they had place. They knew where they should be and they had meaning. They had a job. They had a calling. They knew what they were supposed to do. It was perfection. That was shalom. There was no pieces missing. It was as intended. But it didn't stay that way because sin and brokenness entered the world when we decided that there was actually a better reality. That what God had given us wasn't quite good enough, so we needed to do and point our eyes, needed to do something else and point our eyes in a different direction. Um, some of you know the author and former pastor Tim Mackey. He says, uh, he says this about peace, about shalom. He says, the core idea of shalom is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or out of place, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. And friends, that's really the crux of the Christmas story, is that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God incarnate coming to earth, to do that, to, to restore, to fix what was broken, to realign, to fill in the gaps of our brokenness with God and usher in peace or rightness or alignment again with God, realignment again with God. So therefore, peace is not a feeling. Peace is a reality. And it's secured for us by the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is shalom. This is peace. Now, quick, really quick gospel lesson. Okay, the reason this is what Jesus did for us, and if this is new for you, listen. This is important. And for those of you who, who, have, who have heard this for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, listen again. Jesus came at Christmas, where we celebrate at Christmas time. He came in order that he would live a perfect life in order that he would usher in the kingdom of God, in order that he would teach us what God demands and what God loves and what God desires. And he lived this perfect life, but not just that he lived this life, he died for us. He died a sinner's death for us, killing and sacrificing himself so that he could end sin. The broken pieces in you and I are sin. And he came to end that for us. And to reestablish a relationship with the Father. See, God is holy. And we are not. And the only access we have to God the Father is because Jesus sacrificed himself. He poured his blood on our sins. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see brokenness anymore. He sees Jesus' blood. And he sees righteousness. We are, because of the life and work of Jesus Christ, we are justified. The debt that caused it, that broke our shalom was repaired because he died and then he rose again he defeated death he defeated sin okay so that's our quick gospel lesson so when we hear about Jesus coming in the manger we focus on that point but we have to know the other stuff that happens and the reason why so this morning we can have true peace because of what Jesus did for us. That's the promise that he came and he established for us. Okay, we tracking? We on the same page? And forgive me if this isn't like super polished, okay? 
I'm going to try to stay to my, to my, my short outline here. All right, so uh, if you have your Bibles in front of you, and I, again, I forgot to find the page number on the Pew Bibles, sorry. Um, go to the back of the Bible, about 15 sixteenths the way through the Bible, to Second Peter chapter 3. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Second Peter, first, second John, first, second, third John, Revelation, right at the end. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. This actually happens to be one of the appointed readings from the Revised Common Lectionary for the second Sunday in Advent. And so um, the Lord works that way sometimes. I, I had been taking a look at some of these scriptures and I thought, what a, just a beautiful, beautiful picture of how we are to be people that wait in peace. So I'm going to read this for us. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, 13 through 14. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So according to the promise, what promise? We just talked about it. According to the promise of Jesus coming and the gospel story of of dying for our sins, killing sin and death forever and giving us access again to the Father through his blood. That's the promise that he came. Now we also have have another promise that he will come again. Revelation, the end of Revelation says, Behold, I am coming again soon. We believe that there's another promise as well that we wait for. And so according to his promise that Jesus is ours and that he restored peace in our hearts by killing sin and that Jesus will come back to restore peace in all things, both spiritual and material one day, we have that access, we have the access to that peace here and now. We can be people of peace as we wait, as the scripture says this morning. Hear the words of Jesus from John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Thus, because of what Jesus said here, peace is not something we need to create. It's not something that we need to fight to achieve or manufacture. Peace is a reality that is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's a gift for us if we believe. It's given to us. Verse 27, chapter 14 of John. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is a gift and it's a reality. He didn't say, here, I want you to create peace on earth. I want you to manufacture this idea. He said, here it is. It's based in the promise of what I have done for you. Now go live in light of that. The world cannot, the world cannot give us peace. It will try, and we will try to find peace in the world. But peace is a reality that is only found in the work of Jesus. So our emotions, which can be troubled at times, are not the metric for our peace. 
And we see this breaking down in this world where we seek all these feelings. We seek all these ideas of peace. But when we chase these things, they will let us down and we will be led, uh, we will led, be led to places that we are anxious and unsettled. What, the most common thing we say to each other when we say, hey, how's it going? I'm just stressed out, right? I've said that a few times this Advent season already. I'm stressed out. There's actually a stress management industry in the world. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, I, I just, at Google, Google's a, it's a really handy tool if you've ever, www.google.com. I typed, um, like, stress industry or something. The stress management industry globally is, is supposed to reach, is, is expected to reach $20 billion in 2024. $20 billion spent to help us deal with our stress. I'll just say, come to Terra Nova. We'll teach you about how to have peace, right? No. It's not a magic trick. But seriously, we chase these things because we're stressed out. We take medication because we're stressed out. We watch too much Netflix because we're stressed out. We scroll because we're stressed out. Okay? I do it too. All right? I'm not immune to these things. Okay? We, we say to ourselves, like in our, health, in our unhealthiness, if I, can, if I can just lose 10 pounds, I will be at peace. I will feel better. If I, if I could just eat better or, or sleep better or in our finances, if I could just get that promotion, we wouldn't have to struggle every month. It might be more peaceful in my house. Or if we could just get a different house or if I could diversify my portfolio or um, in our relationships, if I just had more friends, maybe I would be at peace. Or if they would just apologize to me, we could restore this thing. In our world, if this person could get elected, things would be peaceful. Or if this treaty was signed or this conflict ended, we could achieve peace. But Jesus says in John 14, 27, my peace, okay, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, not as the world gives, do I give to you? Let your hearts not be troubled. So I want to be careful to say, though, too, that feeling stressed out or anxious is not necessarily a metric for, like, your inner peace being destroyed or whatever. I think it's, we, we, we ride this wave, the, these waves of emotions, okay? But it ought to, when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling out of peace, when we're feeling disrupted in our heart, it ought to cause us to reflect. It ought to cause us to reflect on where we are seeking true peace. Because maybe we're trying to tr- seek true peace outside of Jesus. Similar to when we talked about hope and, and the idea was that uh, if, if, if we find out that we're disappointed in one way or another, that ought to help us uh, search our hearts to see maybe we're putting our hope in something that isn't Christ. And so let us ask the question, does our peace come from the promises of God or does it come from our attempt to manufacture it? Because when we build up forms and structures around us that we think or are built uh, as things that can give us peace, we are going to miss Jesus. And we are going to miss the peace that is here for us and the peace fulfilled by him, the peace that was promised. Because Jesus' life and ministry, 
The reason it was so divisive is because he shattered people's ideas of what earthly peace was, didn't he? That's why people are so angry at him. You're the Messiah. You're supposed to reign on your throne. You're supposed to reestablish the temple as the epicenter for rule and reign in the entire world. You're supposed to take away the occupation from Rome. You're supposed to remove the taxes from us from Rome. You know where they're attacking the people at like 90%? Like, so when we talk about taxes in the day of Jesus, like that was a big deal. We get, we get angry about our 7% sales tax. They were being taxed about 90%. Jesus, you were supposed to do, you were supposed to reestablish peace in this world. So he shattered people's ideas of their own personal kingdoms that they were building up for themselves. He shattered the ideas of the religious and political leaders of what it meant to reign in peace in the world. Again, not as the world gives to you, says Jesus, but I give to you. Jesus gives us himself. He kills our sin, and he makes the wrong things right. And the dark things light, as our family Advent book repeats each week. Jesus brings us a peace that is not conditional. Back to our passage this morning from 2 Peter. Let me just remind us of that. But according to his promise, remember what that is? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is why, friends, this is why, verse 13, this is why we can wait diligently and at perfect peace. The Holy Spirit that Jesus pours out, right in chapter He talks about in chapter 14 of John, the passage I read right before that, he talks about giving us the Holy Spirit. That's his promise to us here and now, that peace is ours and we can actually live by it here and now. Galatians 5 reminds us that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's It's an evidence of the Spirit within us. And so then with this, with the Holy Spirit, and realizing that we have a promise that we are waiting for and in, And towards, we can wait in whatever season and have purpose in our waiting because we can be at perfect peace here today now. In whatever state of health, in whatever state of wealth, any state of government or structure, because we are waiting in Christ with the fullness of his Holy Spirit that he pours out. Remember when Jesus, the most insane, this isn't even in my notes, the most insane uh, verse in the, in the Bible, I think, for me actually to wrap my brain around, is when Jesus descends into heaven and he says, it's better, well, before, but he tells his disciples, it is better that I go. Come on. It is better that I go because I will give you the Holy Spirit. So there must be something there, friends. There must be something powerful. I know there is. Just There's got to be something powerful about the Holy Spirit in us now. And so we've got to be able to be people of peace here and now today amidst the chaos of this world. So there's purpose in our waiting. And our text says in, in, in verse 14, it says, Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Be diligent waiters upon this promise, okay? As Christians, we don't want to be those that are just waiting uh, for God to press an eject button. We aren't supposed to 
numb ourselves and distract ourselves until, uh, until Jesus comes back. We're not supposed to do that. You ever wait out a storm in a tent? Anybody? Okay. It's awful. You're just waiting for it to be over. And maybe you sing silly camp songs or tell stories or try to sleep or whatever. You're just waiting to get out of that situation. That is not how we as Christians ought to live in this world. We're not just waiting for the escape hatch. We are to be people that wait diligently, working on our own personal holiness, wanting to be seen right when Jesus comes, that we are those that are saying, we've been waiting for you. Hallelujah. The king is here. We want to be people that take seriously our sin and have a desire to be found by Jesus living for him. Not just waiting it out. We will see the face of Jesus. And so this idea should make us desire to expect, to, to eagerly wait for it with passion and with pursual and with desire, not just waiting to eke our days out until Jesus comes back. That's not the point. He gave us the Holy Spirit so we could live for the kingdom here and now today. Jesus says, repent for the, well, John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. It is here. Jesus says, I am here. The kingdom is here. So the result of us as Christians waiting well are that we can actually be lights in this world. We can be, we can be a, a, a lighthouse in the chaotic waters of this world. And we can actually be agents of change in the world. If we want to see more fully the kingdom of God, we ought to be those that live it. Amen? Come on. We ought to be those that live it. Sure, we can all get disenfranchised with the way that the world is. But instead of burying our head in the ground, Jesus talks about the talents that he gives. He gives certain amount, um, guys get a certain amount of money and the guy that just buried it, he didn't get anything for it and he was, he was condemned for that. Let's not bury our gifts. Let's not bury the spirit. Let's let it shine in this world. Because if we start from a foundation of peace, if our lives are secure and saved, and washed, and sanctified by the blood of Jesus, we have this promise of him coming back in fullness, but we have the promise of his Holy Spirit here now today. We can have peace, and from this foundation, we can bring godly change to the world, we can repair relationships, we can actually advocate for good godly change in the structures and forms of our world, in our cities, in our towns, in our nation. We can pursue healthy living with our bodies. And we can steward our finances well, not just to get rich, but to to take care well of the things we've been given. We actually become better stewards of this world because we know that Jesus is going to come back and finish our work one day. So in a world that is not currently in a state of peace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually kick into motion, into gear the kingdom of God here and now that Jesus started when he came. 
And so this ought to be the purpose and the fuel that we live our days out of as we wait for the second coming. And so we wait for the second coming, but we live the reality of it now. That's hard to understand, okay? Sit with that. Sit with that. We wait for the reality of the second coming, but we wait for the fullness of its truth here and now, and we do things that are according to the promise that's coming. Tracking maybe a little bit? Jesus came into a world of chaos. Wars, occupation by Rome, no vacancy sign on the hotel in Bethlehem, right? Taxation at about 90%, poverty. I mean, think about the gossip that probably was spoken about Mary and Joseph. And like, yeah, he says, you know, the, the gossip that was spoken about him and his family. And yet, Isaiah 9.6 says, or is it 6.9? I think it's 9.6. He is the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. He was completely at peace. Even in the ancient Near East. Which was probably just about as bad as it is today. So as we embrace this posture of waiting today in this season of Advent, I challenge us to take a posture of examination in our waiting. So here's some things that if you're a note taker or or you can go back and listen to this later. Examine yourself. What are things that are creating anxiety for you. I mean, I can think of a bunch right now. Okay, what are things that are creating anxiety for you? And what are those things exposing for you where you're striving for peace? I don't know if that made sense. Where are you anxious? And does that expose in your heart that you might be looking for peace outside of the person and work of Jesus Christ? Okay, so what are those things and what are they exposing for you? What things in your life, here's a second, what things in your life are taking your eyes off of what Jesus has promised for you? What things in your life are taking your eyes off of what Jesus has promised for you? And finally, Consider where your desire to build up a nice, peaceful, gated community for yourself within your heart. Like, consider where you're trying to build up your own kingdom, a gated community for your heart, where you're protected. Consider where you might be doing that. And consider where Jesus might actually become your complete and total peace and that those walls would be knocked down and that your light would shine, and that the Holy Spirit could do its work in your life. I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to respond with worship.
So as we diligently, as the scriptures say, as we diligently wait to be found without spot or blemish in perfect peace when Jesus comes, let us rest today knowing that the author of our peace, the source of our peace, is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So let's be thankful that he came, that God had a plan and he sent Jesus to us for our perfect peace and live out of that today. So Christmas time isn't a feeling. It's, it's a person. So my prayer for you all is that that we would eagerly, eagerly wait for our Savior as we are people of peace here in this world. Amen?